0: welcome to episode one of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast series two. Today's episode is me, Joe Faraday, speaking to Lorraine Lewis, who is co-founder and CEO of the multi-award winning charity, the Lewis Foundation. Lorraine is also a public speaker, coach and trainer, and also is a um, lawyer for the Crown Prosecution Service. I'm sure you will um, not want to miss this episode, it's going to be jam-packed full of information about how the foundation has coped during the pandemic and what set Lorraine out on her legal um, career path um, and the challenges that she met along the way. Hope you enjoy and here we are. Everyone and welcome to episode one of the Sheer Business Inspiration Podcast and Blog, and it's series two already. And I'm really, really delighted to welcome Lorraine Lewis. Lorraine, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking to you. Uh, well, there's so much to cram in. It's <laughs> such a short space of time, but I'm, I'm sure <laughs> we'll manage it really well. So. For those that aren't aware of you and your backstory, Lorraine, can you share with us and, and, and our audience why you started the Lewis Foundation?
1: Yeah, sure. So we started the Lewis Foundation in 2016 and it came about as my mother-in-law being diagnosed with cancer in 2010. So we spent a number of years constantly in and out of the hospitals in Northampton and Leicester where she was having a cancer treatment. And we just noticed that for people going through treatment, it was a really difficult time. Um, There was a lot of loneliness. There was a lot of boredom. There was isolation. And it was just even though the nurses were doing an amazing job looking after people, people were still really sad and lonely. And we just wanted to do something to try and make people feel a bit better. And myself and my husband, Lee, were like, well, what can we do? And we used to go to the hospital shop and we used to buy items for people, like just simple things, newspapers, magazines, sweets And then we'd go around and after we'd see my mother-in-law, we'd go around and hand it out to people. And then we just spend time with them, having a chat. And we just saw the difference it made. And then we thought, let's try and find a way to do this on a like a more permanent basis. And we came up with what, let for charity. Don't, I don't know why, because <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing, but, um, we just wanted to do something to make people feel better because we saw how tough it was for them.
0: And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's time, and um, like yeah. you just said, it's that time. And as much as relatives really want to spend that time, you know, there's a limited amount that you can. Yeah. Um. And and I think especially, you know, it can be quite a lonely place, can't it? I mean, I've had yeah. relatives that have been in, you know, in hospitalised, you know, with with a similar, you know, with cancer and with other issues. And, and it's that length of time that, yeah. you know, as much as you want to contribute as, as you know, um, an individual, as a relative, as a friend, um, yeah. sometimes it's never enough. And I think, you know, it's amazing no. what you've done, you know, to to sort of turn that on its head and and provide people that might be sitting there a bit lonely with a little bit of a, you know an extra bit of warmth and and you know a bit of a thought so I think that's that's so lovely yeah. and do you know what I was really delighted to see that you've had um some fantastic recognition from the British Prime Minister as well can you share a little yeah. bit with us about um how your vision's grown because I mean you started out it was it's five years ago now isn't it
1: yeah almost five years now so yeah April this year will be five years wow. and I don't know like when we started it was just like we just wanted to help people so we started on Talbot Butler Ward in Northampton General so my mother-in-law spent a lot of time on that ward um, and I don't know I don't think we had a vision that we will be going to loads of different hospitals it was literally we just wanted to find a way to help people and um, yeah so we don't we didn't have a vision initially but as we've continued over the years and the more we've given and then patients will share it with other patients in different areas and the hospitals will share it in different areas and that's how it's evolved from there so
0: how so, many how many hospitals do you do you cover now
1: so this year we've had taken on another three
0: so now it's oh. 14 wow. 14 okay. yeah that's really so it's that's immense, isn't it? And and I'm guessing actually what you're doing is you know as as wonderful as as, as it was when you started out. Actually, in the last twelve months, is it's so much more needed because relatives can't yeah. go and visit people in hospital, can they? So it's you know no,
1: definitely that's made a difference because we've just found that during this um, pandemic the hospitals that have contacted us is is for that very reason that you've just said it was like there's people there's no visiting anymore and that must be so difficult because I can't imagine not having you know your loved one there to give you that support so something as simple as a gift it just like gives somebody like something else to focus on other than what they're going through and just to pick me up as well and just let people know that there's people out there that care about them so
0: yeah and it's so honestly it's really it is really inspiring that, that yeah I mean it's great that there's so many but equally I guess that's the challenge isn't it trying to find the volunteers that can support that versus yeah. the demand so how have <laughs> you found that at this time
1: yeah I mean we've had to completely adapt because before we used to pack in our local community centre in Upton um so we'd all come together on a weekly basis there'll be like 30 of us and we'd pack the gifts and that had to stop because of because of social distancing. Yeah. But then we've got a system now where people pack in their own homes so they can still actively get involved. Right. Um, but there's a lot of isolation process and that you have to isolate the items before they go to the volunteers house they pack them then they're isolated and then they go back to the hospital so the it is a longer process but it enables people to still get involved so all our volunteers are still able to get involved throughout this period
0: as well which is really that's good great, um, yeah so nobody's I, had to
1: stop i was gonna say
0: yeah it, it would be yeah. devastating really to, that everybody that's been trying to support and volunteer has not been able yeah. to, to fulfill it but like you said there's some extra stages in there Um, yeah it's a true testament to resilience and um and not letting it stop you in that respect no it could
1: have it could have stopped because when they we got contacted like two weeks before the actual lockdown the first official lockdown to say like things are getting really bad Um, and we initially did think about stopping but then it was the hospitals were like you guys you got to keep going if you can if you can find a way because people do need need that support
0: so I yeah think it's, just such, an, kind of it's such an important um, yeah. support like you say that you provide so yeah absolutely so what what would you say are your long term aspirations for the foundation what what would you like in the next few years
1: Yeah, I think now that we're doing it and we can see that it has a benefit, it's just to continue to spread to other hospitals um, and try and help people as much as we can. Um, We just find that it's just amazing, like something so simple like that, you know, I take for granted like a book or a magazine it's not something that simple for somebody in hospital, no. um, and it's making a real difference, especially when you get the messages um,
0: that from people to say how it helped.
1: As so yeah, said, we just want to continue a, to help.
0: Yeah, such a difference yeah. to, to each individual, and um, like I say, I you know have known firsthand how my relatives have felt when they've been in hospital, like hospitalised and had to stay yeah. in for yeah. treatment. Um, that time and, and people sending things you yeah. know it means a lot it definitely does um yeah but you are still working full-time and running <laughs> as well as running the foundation you're also a full-time lawyer so yeah. how do you find the time to do all of this stuff Lorraine I just don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy don't get me wrong sometimes it is really really hard but um I When I was um, going through the whole process with my mother-in-law, I decided I didn't want to be in court anymore. I'd been in court for like eight years um, in Northampton, but the hours were just too crazy. So, um, And there was just no work-life balance. And it just that period gave me a time to reflect on, actually, that was something that was really important. So an opportunity came up to prepare the cases for court, working for the Crown Prosecution Service in London. So that enabled me to do the charity work because... I prepare the cases I could do it from home and then um, I can balance it around my day job so basically yeah I could do my day job um, and just dipping it out of the charity work so do with the commitments and um, work is really supportive as well and um, they know what I do and they're very supportive of it because they know it's helping people so that's how I get that balance um, if I was in court it just it wouldn't have happened but because I can get to work from home and prepare the cases it gives me that flexibility so yeah that's how I'm able to do it for
0: for me to see that you're able to juggle that that role as well as you know um running the foundation as I say it's really inspiring but like you say that the job that you do preparing the cases, they understand you know that that you know yeah. the story. they understand what you're achieving from it so it's great that they're supporting you as well yeah they're um, brilliant but you know in terms of of your role as as a lawyer and and you know that journey can you share a little bit about that because you know I think it's important you know not only is it as a female but also you know in terms of of where you started from and and you know how you arrived to where you are I think that yeah. that that story is really important
1: as well. And I think yeah. it resonate with many. Yeah, sure. So um yeah, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. So always, uh, when I was very young, because my parents were there watching their daytime law programs, <laughs> daytime shows on TV. And um, yeah, I just loved it. I just it just seemed like trying to get justice for people just seemed like something that I really wanted wanted to do, another way to help people, basically. And it was something I wanted to pursue, but nobody in my family had ever been to uni before. We didn't know anybody that did law. So it was a battle actually, because when I expressed to like the careers teachers at school that this was something I wanted to pursue, they were very negative about it in terms that I wouldn't be able to do it because I'm a woman and I'm black, which as a young child was actually really hard to hear. That's um, terrible, and I remember oh, yeah,
0: going, it's, yeah, it's,
1: it's awful. <laughs> And um, I remember going home and telling my parents and they were just like, no, you know, don't listen to that. You've still got, if this is what you really want to do, pursue it. Yeah. Um, And don't let anything hold you back. And I think that's what then I spent the rest of my time doing is that I really do actually want to do this. So I am going to pursue it and find a way. So it wasn't easy because I don't know anybody that do, does laws. So to get things like work experience and, you know, to get into the uni that you need to, it was all a learning curve and just writing to places and trying things.
0: I just find but that so have- hard though, because realistically, I mean, n- not just have one challenge, but two challenges thrown at you by the people that should be guiding you and saying, that's fantastic. Look, these are the ways yeah. that you can gain that. Um, and I know I know we, I know we, we, think that these things have changed, but you know there's still evidence that 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 isn't the case. And I think it's so yeah. important, and um, from from a very young age, that you know our children understand that they can achieve what what they set out to, and um, irrespective Absolutely. of you know what gender they are and also what colour they are, you know that they yeah. can achieve what they set out to as as in they want to be passionate and do something you know yeah. whatever it is that you know obviously there's going to be learning elements obviously there's going to yeah. be a pathway but then how are they guided in that pathway and I, i'm just really sad that 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 wasn't the case for you really and it's quite heartbreaking yeah. because you could have yeah, very easily given up couldn't you do you know what i mean yeah
1: if, and that's the worrying thing about it yeah. suppose like you are in a position where your parents might not have supported you in that way mm. and you have given up when actually there's no reason why you could not have done that. So, no. yeah, it was really hard to hear. I mean, I'm sure schools are better in that respect now. I would hope, anyway. I would but, as well. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but it was hard to hear at the time, and it took a lot to overcome that to yeah be able to get the qualification in the end. But yeah, at least I did it. So that's a
0: yes. Exactly. You yeah, had yeah. fire in your belly, Lorraine, and that's, yeah. that's what that's what what was yeah. needed definitely. But um, <laughs> I absolutely applaud you for it and having the courage to just stand up for what you you know you wanted to do and and you achieved it so that that's amazing what yeah. message would you give to those who are considering starting their own business and or you know charity and um, at this time what what would you say to people right now
1: yeah in terms of like starting something I think that if there's something that you really want to start you, you need to try and give it a go um I think if this period taught us anything like we don't know you know what's around the corner and I don't think you should let your fear hold you back I mean I'm talking about from my own experience I had no clue about a charity and I'm I have no shame saying that because I did it and it's been a major learning curve over the years but if you don't try you don't know so you've got to give it a go you'll learn along the way and you will make mistakes but everybody makes mistakes I think that's story, the thing yeah.
0: isn't it you know if, yeah. you've, if you've got something that you want to try and you've looked into all you know the the best possible ways of delivering that yeah. and you've got that nailed down then I think you're right I think um I don't think any of us have it really fully mapped out I mean like you say, yeah. the last 12 months you
1: know I really didn't I'd
0: be doing podcasts blogs and virtual no. events you know it's it's exactly it's, You know, it's it's been a massive loafer for for many, but I think I think that's the thing. You know, if you're running your own business or charity or you know whatever, you have to have to adapt to change, and um, and as long as you're doing what you set out to. How yeah. you do that is, you know, it's all part of the fun, isn't it? It's all part of the exactly. journey. As long as it's, as long as I was as going to say <laughs> I know whether you'd say fun right now, really, whether you'd use that as a thing. But um, when
1: we look back, it'll be like, yeah, we we made it. <laughs> we? Yeah, we did it.
0: That's that's the thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, what inspires you? What what what's your key inspiration?
1: For Me? Oh, okay, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> what inspires me is. You know, it's the patients actually, um, yeah. they don't have a choice. Like, And that reminds me sometimes when I'm struggling, like just moaning like day-to-day stuff that is really actually not that. There's nothing really to moan about. But you know, when we all have those days where they just seem bad. And then you'll get a message from somebody and they'll explain how they're feeling or what they've been going through. And then it actually puts things, things into perspective. Yeah. So they inspire me. Like they haven't got a choice yet. They still carry on every single day. So yeah, they're they. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great
0: answer, yeah. and I'm sure they all would really appreciate you yeah. saying that. So you can you can let them know about about the podcast as well, so they can yeah really hear it from you. Um, yeah. you are a multi award winning a um charity, and which is so well deserved. And and how has the pandemic affected your fundraising at this time?
1: Yeah, it's been like before uh, COVID, we predominantly relied on fundraising. So once it hit, it was a major lot. what are we going to do? So for the first time, really, we applied for like actual funding, such as like the lottery and like you've got the North Foundation Community Foundation. So we were okay. That's how we've been able to get through a lot of it. But what also was amazing was all the businesses that came forward to support us and individuals, there were businesses doing all these different fundraising activities and challenges that we would never have normally done pre-COVID. And we just had so many people step forward, whether it was fundraising, sourcing products at those times when all the shelves were stripped, there were still people out there managing to find things for us. And that's how we've been able to keep going so even though it has been really difficult and we haven't fundraised in the normal ways in terms of doing events everybody's been really creative actually in terms of like okay we need to make this work like what can we do to make it happen so we've been able to keep going and keep getting all the gifts out every month so yeah it's affected us but actually it's made us think differently about different things we can do
0: and I guess in in lots of ways I mean I don't know if you found this but I think connections and contacts are, are so much more honed in on each other and how you can support yeah. each other. Whereas in Definitely. the normal world everybody's just squirrelling away and busy busy beavering all over the place. Yeah. I mean not saying you don't recognise or spend time with those people but I don't and I don't mean it in a in a, a bad way, but it's not as intentional. Whereas now it's like you 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 were intentionally doing that fundraiser or doing that that thing to, yeah. to you know ramp up that yeah. awareness and recognition and I think I think that's what I've noticed about this last 12 months is that it's a lot more of a community feel about everything. yeah
1: I can definitely feel that that I never felt before um mm. shame it's this horrible situation to make it happen but I know I know <laughs> That's a, but there is a the sense of community and people like wanting to come in forward and say can I help you can I do anything yeah way more than we had before, before. so it defi- yeah. it's definitely been a shift yeah
0: yeah I think so And um, so you know in terms of our audience that there's going to be many people that I mean they may have relatives that are suffering or themselves and um, we may have people that have been made redundant and just a, at a loss and um, people that are really really feeling a bit up of all of this to be honest and trying (laughs) to be as positive as possible but what message of hope would you give um to people right now in terms of you know what this year can bring and and what what they can do to to bring positive change for themselves
1: Yeah, and I just think people need to realise, like, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I know it is difficult, but we're all doing an amazing job of being in a situation that we've never been in before, and that you're not alone, and that you can reach out and connect with people, obviously not in person, but online, or, you know, just drop your neighbour a message, there's so many different ways you can just do these little small things, just to check in and let people know, you know, make sure everyone's okay basically and make and let people know that you're okay because i've had situations where like you could tell people are struggling and they don't want to say anything but just that reaching out it might be just something simple like sending a card or you know writing a letter just letting people know you know we're all in this together we're not we're not on our own and don't yeah don't put so much pressure on yourself you're not failing
0: i think that's a really good message because i think lots of people i mean social media is it's a great thing but it can also be negative. So lots of people might yeah. seeing someone who might be doing lots of baking or might be doing lots of different yeah. things. And then the other yeah. person's like, oh, my God, I'm struggling to even get out of bed and yeah. do I I my face, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think I think that's the thing. And, you know, I agree with with the term that, you know, we are all in different boats but we're in the same storm and you know everybody's in their own little nichey things but we are in the same big in essence the big storm so it's it's been I think non-judgmental and like you say supporting each other isn't it through it all yeah so tell us what's next for the charity tell us what you've got planned what 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 are your grand plans next
1: yeah, so we turned five, which is great, actually. I didn't even think we'd make that. I don't, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? <laughs> when we started, I didn't. Um, so that's a really big achievement. Um, yes, it is. Hopefully, we'll get to celebrate at some point, I'm, I'm sure, this year. Um, but I think for us, it's just going to be, yeah, just continuing to try and support people as much as we can. And I'm sure what that will mean um, at the hospitals because we we do have been contacted by the hosp- at the hospitals, sorry, to um provide our support. So I think it's just going to be trying to, yeah, just spread kindness to as many people as possible just so they know they're not alone.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah. that is amazing. We will share all, all of your links because, you know, people can do a standing order can't they each each month yeah can do. i know there's been lots of uh fundraising that that's um been taking place yeah um recently so um what we'll do is we'll share all of those links and obviously if people want to donate or they want to set up per standing order they can do um, yeah thank you so much for, for being oh, thank you. I'm, I'm here and um wish you every success and you know congratulations on your five-year milestone and um, just it is amazing what you're doing and i'm, I'm hoping that this will help to to make
1: other hospitals aware of the great work that you do. So Thank you.
0: Lovely to speak to you, Joe. Great to speak to you. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Lorraine, for joining me today. I know that our audience will really have enjoyed listening to, you know, your journey to date, not only with the Lewis Foundation, but also, you know, your views and your thoughts, for being brave enough to share the challenges that you faced, And I'm hoping that it will help many, many people to stand up for what they believe in and to, you know, tread sometimes the uncertain path But sometimes the the path that you find yourself on and trust your gut instinct. So thank you so much for being brave enough to share that with us. And um, we wish you every success, not only with the Lewis Foundation, but you personally as well um, in the future. We will be sharing the links so people know how to volunteer, donate and get involved. So thanks again. You've been a great guest. If you'd like to listen to series one of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast and vlog, you can take a look at series one. All of the episodes will be on there. Um, We are on a a range of different um, podcast channels. So just look up Sheer Business Inspiration. If you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, we have got all of the vlogs on there as well. And our next, um, we're really excited about our next guest. So for episode two, we are going to be chatting with Wesley Mende. And Wesley is the CEO and founder of Prestige Events Magazine, Cool Venue Awards and 2020 Speed Networking. And honestly, he's been doing this for the last 17 years and do you know what he alongside many, many other um people he's one of the truly inspiring leaders in our industry so i can't wait to um be chatting with him and hearing all about his journey not just leading up to now but also during the pandemic but i won't give anything away um i want you to obviously listen in um if you would like to ask wesley any particular questions at all you can connect with us on all of our social media channels so facebook linkedin twitter Instagram and Pinterest so please don't be shy please do share any questions that you'd like us to ask him and we look forward to sharing that episode with you as well but for now thanks for listening